Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. We are back with another episode. How is everyone doing? How is everyone's week and weekend? I hope you're feeling good and refreshed and taking care of yourselves. I just today did a clay mask. I used Rasool clay. Now, I love Rasool clay because I think a lot of people use bentonite clay, which is great too, but I love Rasool clay. It's a little bit gentler and less drying than bentonite clay, which kind of strips your skin more. I did Rasool clay, a little bit of water, of course, to make it like a nice mask consistency, a tiny dollop of raw honey, and then grapeseed oil. Again, tiny little bit of grapeseed oil. People ask me for recipes for this stuff. I just use your intuition, mix it together. You don't need a ton of ingredients. Your face isn't that big. If you make too much, you can definitely store it in your refrigerator for up to a week. But I just did this clay mask and my skin feels so good. Like it just feels like you guys know I'm sent lots of beauty products. I try lots of beauty products, but I can honestly say that the stuff that I mix on my own just feels better. It just feels really good. Now there is a store-bought mask. It's actually not out yet, but it's from Clor, K-L-U-R. If you guys have been listening to the show for a while, you will remember that I interviewed the founder of Clor, Leslie. She's a beauty genius. She has so much integrity. Her products are all natural, all sustainable. It's a Black-owned beauty brand, which we love and we want to support. She is coming out with a mask. It's not even out yet. She sent me a little tester. It has cacao extract in it, and it's beautiful. It has like a nice like chocolate smell. I wanted to eat it off of my face. And I think the reason why this mask is so good is when it's on your skin, it doesn't have this like extreme tightening effect. It just gets a little bit firm and then you rinse it off and your skin does feel excellent after. I love the Chlor products. The Symmetry Fluid, their anti-pollution drops are so, so nice. Definitely check out Chlor if you guys haven't tried their skincare. And I'm also just, I'm so excited, this wave of people wanting to support Black-owned beauty brands. Something that I heard and I was so sad to read about were the amount of Black-owned businesses that felt afraid to show their face in as like the face of the brand because they knew that it would deter more people from buying their products. So a lot of brands that I didn't even know were Black-owned brands, their founders are coming out and saying like, yes, okay, there's a Black woman behind this. Um, And Leslie was one of them who said that for a long time, she didn't want to share that as a Black woman, she was a face of the brand. So I love that we are moving into this new era of embracing Black-owned beauty brands. Other than all my beauty discoveries, I've had a great week. I've been doing so much work on the podcast. So you guys know, I already told you, I interviewed Donnie Davey, who's the lead makeup artist for Euphoria. So Euphoria makeup straight from the source. I'm so excited to release that interview. I'm still editing it. It's wonderful. I got to interview hair icon, Nikki Nelms. I talked to her yesterday. She does... Solange, Janelle Monet, Kelly Rowland, you know, just some minor celebrities you may have heard of, Zoe Kravitz, like absolutely incredible legend. I was so excited that I got to talk to her. And now today's interview with Kelly is fantastic. Now, Kelly is someone that I've known for a while. I've been aware of her content. She's a force to be reckoned with. I love her creativity, her passion, and I love that she has a mission around size inclusivity and just changing her perceptions of what it means to have an aspirational body type or an aspirational life. I first became familiar with her through her work, um, Fat at Fashion Week, which we talk about. But I think this is such a great conversation to have. I think as we talk about beauty, body type is inherently tied up so much in our notions of what's beautiful. Uh, I think so many people lose their confidence or feel like they don't fit into the ideal beauty standard because of their body type. And honestly, that's just like BS. And there's so much like brainwashing that we have to unlearn from just centuries of programming. And I'm so happy that women like Kelly are at the forefront of changing this discussion. I learned a lot from her. As always, guys, stay tuned for takeaways at the end of the episode. And enjoy the conversation with Kelly. 
If you guys are new to the podcast, I have an entire Instagram account dedicated to all things Naked Beauty. It's called Naked Beauty Planet. You can always reach me, DM me there, get involved. And then I have my personal account at Brooke DeVard if you want to follow me there. Thank you to everyone who's taken the time to write a review of this podcast on the Apple Podcast app. I know a lot of you have discovered me from being featured in New and Noteworthy, which is very exciting. But I'm so... It just like makes me thrilled to hear that people are like reaching out to me and saying like, I just discovered your show. I love it. I'm going back and listening to everything. So hey, new listeners, glad you're here. And to my longtime listeners, just so ever grateful for your support. Thank you guys for continuing to show up for me. And if this is your first time listening and you're not subscribed, definitely subscribe to the podcast. We've got great episodes coming out every single Monday. All right, let's get into my conversation with Kelly. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Brooke. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited that you are on Naked Beauty. I've wanted to have you on since we met at that Color of Beauty event. Was was that like two years ago already? Yeah, it's been two years. Forever. Um, But you, you're a creator, an influencer, like an interior designer as well, which like I'm obsessed (laughs) with, Um, an entrepreneur, an activist, like you do everything. I try. I just try to keep myself busy and and entertained and walking in my purpose. I'm so excited to be on your podcast because I'm obsessed. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I love that we're doing this audio only. It's like, you know, bringing me back to the roots of the show. I've been doing it with video and I don't know. So I follow you obviously along with 110K other people, oh. right? You've got yeah. a thousand followers on Instagram. <laughs> I like the setting up of the ring lights and the posing and the lighting. It's like, I find it really exhausting. Yeah. It's intense. I follow, I follow you and it's like every day a banging picture. And I'm like, how does Kelly do it? I honestly, I love it. Um, I think I'm just so visual and I'm so like down to do it. You know what I okay. mean? So some of it is kind of more produced with like the lights and the this and the that. And many times I just will grab my camera and especially in the in the era of COVID and, and safer at home and all of that, I just grab my phone most often, not even my camera and do a little self-timering. Love a self-timer shoot. Yeah. So it's just finding some good light and trying to keep it simple. Yeah. And you live in LA now and I feel like it's always sunny there. It's true. It's like kind of unfair. Cannot deny. <laughs> but I, unfair. I miss New York though. Like I'll, I feel like I'll always be a New Yorker. Um, spent most of my life there. So, but yeah, LA is pretty great. Yeah, it seems great. And also just like, how are you doing? I feel like it's misleading to say like the past few weeks have been tough for Black people because it's always been really messed up for us. And like, I feel like it's a lot harsher for other people that are kind of coming into consciousness and realizing that we have this big race problem in America. And I think a lot of us are kind of like, Oh, wow. Like, Oh yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've, (laughs) we've known about this, Um, but it also has been hard. How are you just doing as a person? I agree. I mean, I think that it has been harder this Mm -hmm. time because like we have this sort of, you're born into this knowing, right? And there's this knowledge from 
from childhood where there's hard things and, you know, unfairness and racism and all of these things. But there are these fever pitch moments where so many things happen so publicly, or you get something like a graphic video to just sort of reinforce everything that you know, and that makes it harder. And then I don't know, at least not in our lifetime, that we've done that through a pandemic. (laughs) So, you know, you already have the stress of being afraid to go to the grocery store because you might die, you know, and just it's extreme and you're under extreme duress for all of the health reasons that everyone else is going through. And then you couple that with wild brutality and racism coming to, you know, a head and just absolutely, you know, through social media being shared and, and visualized in a particular way. Yeah. It's been rough. So, um, how I'm- Just going back to the visual part, because you said you're a very visual person. Do you find that you're able to watch the graphic videos? Do you find them triggering? Because I personally did not watch the George Floyd video. I've seen enough of it. I've seen obviously the the image of it and I've seen a few seconds of it, but I always have to just I like I I it feels really traumatic for me and I feel like I've been since like the last full video I watched was the Amy Cooper calling mm-hmm. The police, and even that was like triggering for me. Like one, hearing her hysterics on the phone, but two, even just the dog, like the dog being choked by the leash. I was like, this, like I was, that was like too much for me. Even, are you exposing yourself to these videos, or are you choosing to not watch them? I definitely can't watch them. I'm extremely sensitive and um, a bit of an empath when it comes to just people suffering in general, and. Mm it's really hard to know that it happens and what parts of the video that I did see were sort of forced upon me because I was scrolling and bumped into it by accident. And, um, you, you give it a, you know, a second or two and you're just like, this is horrific. I cannot watch this. So, um, I have not, I have not watched any of those videos in full. And I too was triggered by the video of this person just escalating in the park. You know, she's, she's out of 10 and then she hits a 20, you know, I'm like, I know. how far do we, how far do we take this when she was pretending to be in, in duress as he was feet away from her? It was incredibly disturbing. And I'm glad that he made it out of that physically unscathed, but I'm sure that there's a lot of emotional trauma that he has, has gone through, but yeah, it's horrible. Horrible. Well, what about on the, on the other side of this? Because I feel like as a black creator and as a freelancer and consultant, you must have, cause I've experienced like a tiny bit of it, but you must have so many brands reaching out to you eager to work with you now, um, you know, dying to know how they can, how, you know, they can work with you, which is great. Like it's about time. It's a little bit, you know, actually it's not a little bit transparent. It's very transparent that they're all reaching out now, but have you felt like there's been this influx of brands reaching out to you? Absolutely. Um, yeah. absolutely. At first, it was kind of bothering me because, you know, I have a lot of long-term standing relationships with brands in terms of like, whether it's the PR person, maybe we used to work together or we're just friends outside of me being an influencer. And I felt like certain people were just leaning on me in a particular way that was very uncomfortable and Mm. hard. Like tokenism. Um, Tokenism, but also kind of like, we want to be better. What can we do? And in my mind, I'm like... It, it's not obvious. Also, I'm not the person to ask. Also, I can't even the person to ask. Also, pay me. <laughs> so, you like, like, have your questions, but yeah, I'm like, mm, yeah. yeah, I'm like, I'm happy to send you an invoice. But, uh, right. <laughs> so it was that was strange. But in terms of like them reaching out, the first thing is that that 110 10K, um, I was lingering at like 90 or so, like 90 plus for what felt like a really long time. And a bunch of people sharing my account um, got me a lot of followers and my engagement went like through the roof. It like spiked wow. pretty well, which is fantastic. But it's also kind of like, I was shared by people who know me, you know what I mean? So in my mind, I'm a little bit like, thank you. I appreciate it. But also why isn't this regular? You know, True. not just sharing me, but sharing each other. I created an account, an entire account just to share people because it's all like just in my nature. I like cool content and I, you know, love to share it. So mm-hmm. I just I hope mean, that that have this show to, yeah. to elevate all of the women that I admire and introduce them to my audience. Like, yeah, we need more of that. 
Absolutely. So I hope that that's a lasting thing. And and as far as brands, yes, like you have brands reaching out to you, especially with deadlines that are like within 48 hours, because (laughs) they're trying to, you're like, cool. You know, part of me is like, I wish that this was already happening, but I also need to live in the truth of that when people want to do right, we shouldn't you know, put up a stop sign, like, well, you should have did right yesterday. It's kind of like, keep it going, but I will definitely be paying attention to these brands if they go ghost or get really quiet in three months, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you that more people are going to get to experience your wonderful content. And it's good that brands are coming around. But as you said, let's see if they keep the same energy. Exactly. So, okay. You are a Philly girl and I have like a weird obsession with Philly because I, I basically learned that like all of the neo soul music that I love, like Erica Badu, Jill Scott, like there was this whole like kind of like Philly Renaissance. Yeah. Obviously this is like, you know, you were, you were not at the club when this was all happening. This is all before our time. But I feel like even when I go to Philly now, I feel like there's like a very cool energy there. Like it's a great city. Philly is fantastic. I got to say like Neo Soul, you know, it, it was just on our radio and I would travel like even just to a different like region within Pennsylvania, uh road trip or whatever, you know, and the radio was just so different. And then when I moved to New York, even now, when you go to Philly, that's still on the radio all these years later. And the songs that are played on Philly radio versus what's played in New York or LA, it's it's really funny. Just such a strong difference. But yeah, it's absolutely one of the best cities in the world. I'm going to forever. Like I always say I'm a New Yorker because I just spent my adult life there, but I spent my entire childhood in Philly. In Philly. Yeah. So, So what kind of beauty culture did you grow up with? Oh man. My mom was super into Avon. Um, (laughs) did she sell Avon products? She did a little bit. Um, I think she only sold it because she just wanted the books and the stuff. Like I just remember (laughs) that from like early childhood. And so she was definitely a lipstick lady, very, um, I would be leaving the house and my mom would say, where's your lipstick? And I'm like, okay, hold on. I'll go put some on. in terms of skincare, it was definitely a little bit less intense. Like there wasn't like a routine in the way that we know now, but there was definitely little rituals, you know, washing the face at night and make sure you put on moisturizer. I always had to wear sunscreen because I'm the black girl who gets sunburned really easy. Right. Um, so you know, that was kind of the beauty culture that I grew up with. Um, a lot of women in my family don't wear a lot of makeup. And though my mom didn't wear a lot of makeup, she was very into like lipstick in her eyebrows and, you know, just a little, just a little daytime face. I love that. I love that. So who inspired you when it came to beauty growing up? Definitely my mom. I, I loved watching her stand at her vanity and me being just a little creeper behind her, watching her get ready for work, watching her do her hair. And this was a lifelong (laughs) habit. So I would definitely say she was my biggest inspiration growing up in terms of, of beauty and wanting to sort of try makeup a little bit, wanting to emulate different hairstyles. And then of course, whatever singer or songwriter or artist that I was into. Yeah. Whoever was on 106 and Park. Basically, whoever was on 106 and Park, MTV. um, TRL era. Oh, I miss TRL. I just remember that show being like such an event in my life. It was an event. And it definitely was... I think it was one of the rare times where you got to see the artists like actually talking mm-hmm. and kind of get a vibe of people's personalities in a different way than, you know, just checking out videos and that sort of thing, or even other interviews. They were just much more loose there. True. So yeah, that was, that was a fun, fun show. Yeah. I went, I went to see Destiny's Child, like at the TRL studio one day after school, like I was in the audience and it was like the best experience of my life. (laughs) That's iconic. Yeah. Yeah. That's iconic. So growing up, did you feel beautiful? I feel like I 
felt cute because that was kind of the comment, you know, as a child. And then you go through the awkward phase and then you're getting acne and just not really knowing what to do with yourself. And for me, puberty, I was like getting chubbier. I didn't really, I didn't know how to navigate all of, all of the changes that were happening. So I think initially, you know, being sort of doted on, you know, Kelly's so cute. She's so precious, that kind of child stuff. I felt different as a teenager because the conversation around me was different. It was just more about like, is your stomach flat or your boobs big? You know, all the things that teen girls sort of worship. I don't know. I probably had a little bit of a balance of both. Like I felt like a confident kid because I was really much more confident in like who I was and my abilities. Um, I didn't feel the most confident in my appearance at that time in my life, just because everything that I was digesting was the opposite of what I am, you know? And whether it was TV shows, whether it was um, my favorite singers, magazines, everything was telling me that beauty was the opposite of me. And I'm sure that I internalized that in some ways. Absolutely. I think it's impossible not to. For sure. So when did you feel like you kind of came into your own? I mean, now I see all of the content you make. You're obviously very confident um, and comfortable in your own skin. But when did that sort of happen for you? I think I started to come into my own when I moved to New York, to be honest. So my early 20s, you know, like very early, I like had a 21st birthday and then I was like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) So um Moving to New York, I felt free. I felt powerful just because I decided to do this huge thing on a whim, you know, like I didn't have a big plan. I did, you know, do like I focused. I uh, looked for an apartment and made sure I had a job, but that was it, you know, and I didn't um, feel super far away because I was an hour and a half from Philly. Um, so I, I felt like I had this like safety But yeah, I think moving to New York empowered me in a way and it made me feel cool. It made me feel confident. And I think from there, that was kind of the kickoff of me feeling like I can own like who I am and what I look like. That was definitely the start. Okay. And you started working in PR, which is a tough, tough industry. (laughs) I mean, it's a little different now. It's actually insanely different now. But yeah, I started working in PR and I... I was doing like some freelance events and then I was doing um, some tech work and then I wanted to work in the events department at that company. And I was like, oh, I want to do events. So my PR career really did start with me doing more like event production. And then I did. Don't you find it so stressful? I just so stressful. It's so (laughs) stressful. Like I, every time I even got close to like PR in my internships, I was like, oh my gosh, seating charts, lists, like tight deadlines, like so many details. I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. Emergencies, fires, everything's your fault. You know, it's yeah. it's a thankless profession. So shout out to all the PR people out there and marketing people. It really is. Because when something is amazing, it looks so seamless that no one right. wants to congratulate you because your job is to make it look so easy and perfect and natural, you know? And then if something is a hair wrong, it's like you are like tied to <laughs> to a whipping board. It's just, <laughs> exactly. it's crazy. Yeah, it's super stressful. But I think I was a little bit built for it. I, I work well under pressure and I, I like love communications in every facet. So it kind of touched everything. It, it allowed me to be really creative. Okay. And you worked, you did editorial coverage for like InStyle and Glamour. And I know a lot of the work that you did was pushing for plus size brands to get editorial coverage there. Did you sort of enter the industry with this goal of advocating for size inclusivity? I really didn't because I honestly didn't even assume that anyone would ever listen. And it was just through this one account that I had, because I did a lot of like straight size fashion and I did like consumer products and things like that. But I was working with a plus size brand and I had to do some research. Like, you know, editors would tell me like, oh yeah, Kel, we love you, but no, you know, we'll take your other stuff. And I'm like, but if this many women, if like more than 50% of women or 60% of women are a size 12 or bigger, like how can you not? And so 
I really did become the loudest voice <laughs> in the room at the time about like how magazines needed to be inclusive and doing things to force them to do that. Um, it's, so yeah, it's, you, you bring up such a great point that like it literally can't be overlooked enough. If you have the majority of the population that, as you said, are above a size 12, and 99% of all magazines do not represent people that have that body type. It's like, it's like bad business also. It's like, it is. It, it doesn't make sense from any angle. And maybe that the, they argue that there's like, as, like that it's aspirational, but mm-hmm. is, that's offensive on its own. But it just doesn't, it's like, it's mind blowing to me. It's absolutely mind blowing. And I think that even now, you know, this is years ago. So now the numbers are probably even greater in terms of the amount of women that are a size 14, 16 and larger. And the idea, imagine being a company and I'm a customer and I walk up to you with money and I say, hi, please take my money. And you go, no, thanks. Like right. <laughs> what is happening? Um, and it's just, it's the fight that plus size women, um, especially because of social media, it's, the fight that we all fight, you know, for representation, for being seen, for visibility, and also to um, sort of buck the notion that there's no aspiration in a larger body. You know, there's plenty right. of things about me, my style, what I've accomplished in this world that are very aspirational to many people. And to say that, you know, because you aren't thin, that none of that counts and that you can't possibly have style is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Is this also what pushed you to develop your own line of clothing? It really is. I mean, it's people keep calling it a line and I'm like, it's it's growing into one. Um, it was really just about every time I see an adorable t-shirt or something, and I'm not traditionally the biggest t-shirt girl only because there are never any cute ones in my size. Right. And so, but all of my thin friends have shirts that just have like the cutest graphics and it's not overly campy. It's not, it's, they're always chic and cool. And I was like, I am going to make the shirts that I want. And so that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. And I, I love, I love the shirts that you've done. So one of the shirts that you make that's really popular says fat icon on it. Yeah. And one of the things that I learned, and I remember, um, years ago reading Lindy West, I like really understood that this term fat is not like an offensive term. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, why are people afraid to like use that term? But can you tell me just in terms of like even putting that on a shirt and like what the word means to you? Absolutely. I mean, we, all grow up in a culture where being fat is the worst thing you can be, right? Like in terms of people's perception, don't do this, you'll get fat. Don't do that, you'll get fat, you know, or you're looking a little big. Like that is across globally, like how, you know, people talk to each other. And so you grow up with this idea that if your body looks a certain way, that you are less attractive, less valuable, et cetera. And so, you know, from the time that kids are little on a playground and are saying like, look at you, you're fat kind of a thing. The word is weaponized as something demeaning and it's weaponized as something that is bad or that you shouldn't be. And it's really a descriptor. You know, I just said the word thin and no one flinched, right? So thin, fat, short, tall, it's a descriptor of a body and, or, you know, things on your body. You know, it really did I think come through just being a part of a very vocal, supportive, loud, amazing community of women online that so many of us have taken that word and recharged it and taken away like the hurt and, um, you know, the abuse that a lot of people go through with being um, bullied and things like that. Now, I would say that it just depends on the person because not every bigger person is okay with being called fat. I personally am because it's not untrue, right? For me, like you can say, Kelly, your hair is brown. And I would go, yes. You know, and you could say, Kelly, you're five foot 10, you're tall. And I would say, yes. And you could say, Kelly, you're fat. And I would say, I am, you know? Um, And so fat icon came into play because I knew that I wanted the word fat somewhere in my, in my designs. And I wanted the word icon because it's just one of those words that it's, it's a popular word and a lot of us say it and, you know, lots yes. of things are iconic and iconic. I, I'm, 
very guilty. <laughs> I'm very guilty. Like, you know, my dad got a haircut today and I'm like, oh, daddy, iconic. You look amazing. <laughs> um, so, you know, that sort of thing. But I wanted the shirt to say fat icon because you don't, you rarely see fat attached to a word that is positive yes. and, and, and larger than life. Yes. And, you know, not just like cute fat, you know, cute wasn't enough. Like you can be iconic and still be fat and you can be your own icon. You can be your own person that you look up to. You need to look at yourself and celebrate yourself the way that you do any other person that you admire. Um, and then the font for that is in my handwriting because I wanted to write it down and I wanted people to sort of like have this stamp like from me. Like if you like me, if you see anything positive in me or you think I'm pretty or cool or wet, whatever nice thing you may have a feeling about me, I wanted to write it across your chest for you. So that was why that happened. I absolutely love that. I love that. I want to talk about a little bit your transition from... PR and consulting to just going out on your own and doing freelance and blogging. Because I think a lot of people want to make that jump. They want Mm -hmm. to say, I want to be my own boss. What kind of sparked that shift for you? And what advice would you have for people that are looking to do the same? I would say to be smart. I feel like I am sort of wild and free. I am a Sagittarius, so we can be <laughs> impulsive um, and we're very optimistic. I have those those traits, but I think strategic planning is really important. And the reason that I um, was doing both is because I didn't want to set myself up to be in a position where I'm going to start just taking influencer work and sponsored posts and all of this stuff and be forced to work below my rate because I needed money, right? I wanted to be able to have my, I don't know, my side hustle turn into the real thing. And so the time when I made like kind of the full transition, I was working for Damon John from Shark Tank. I was his PR director. Oh my God. And I- What's he like in person? Is he chill? He's so dope. Yeah, he seems really cool on Shark Tank. I have a story that is like, I'll tell it to anyone who will listen because this is tell tell us the quality, the quality of, of the human. In my time with him, it was five years ago. So in my time with him, my mom passed away. And yeah, and it was really rough. And I was still pretty new with him. And so we didn't have like this years long relationship, you know? I went down to Philly and I'm doing the whole horrible thing, you know, just dealing. Mm-hmm. And um, he paid me because I was on a retainer. And, and I go, oh, to his assistant, I said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't like do anything. And he said to me, he was like, if I can't hold you down now, you shouldn't mess with me. Wow. And I was like, this dude is the real deal. The real deal. I learned so much from him and he's a huge reason of like why I went on my own because he works so incredibly hard. His schedule was insane. Like I would be like, I would look at his schedule and I was like, I have a panic attack. I don't want like, (laughs) this is abusive. Like, what are you doing? It just made me even, I've always been very entrepreneurial, but it made me even more entrepreneurial. And I just imagined doing for myself, like working as hard for myself as he worked for himself. And like, what could I be if I really devoted and if I bet on myself, you know, and that was kind of the catalyst for me going full, full, full time. And, uh, I mean, I've consulted here and there, like, especially because I have so much fashion experience when plus brands would like launch or want to do some sort of like influencer thing and wanted to engage me for like a project, I would do it, but not, you know, nothing that would keep me fully away from this. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it happened. That's great. And do you love the lifestyle of being on your own and setting your own schedule? Does it get stressful for you? Uh, no, I, I love working. I will love working independently. I'm pretty diligent when it comes to like getting my work done. Um, I don't really like, I don't turn on the TV during the day and things like that. I like, I like to get what I need to get done. And I find that you kind of work harder when you work for yourself, just because you can, when you're setting your own schedule, you can, if I wake up at 6am and I want to get started by seven, I can just knock out a bunch of stuff. And then it's 11, those four hours, I was probably more productive than if I were at, 
like a nine to five type job and, you know, doing what I needed to do all day. I just don't feel like you need to sit at a desk all day. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Well, I want to come back to your work because you do such important work, but I have to ask you about self-care and beauty because I see you, you're doing deep conditioning hair masks, your (laughs) skin is always on point. So like, I want to know, like, maybe let's start with like, if you have like a full Saturday and you're going to treat yourself, like what are like your favorite like self-care routines that you do or any products that you use to like really give yourself like a spa day? Okay. So I'm probably a little bit basic because, you know, you're a beauty guru and you have all the beauty gurus listening, but my favorite thing to do is to like cleanse my face. I really take my time. And I love that. That's so important. That's the canvas. Yeah. And I think it's why my skin outside of, you know, when I eat dairy and pretend that I'm not lactose intolerant, um, <laughs> so relatable. Um, I think that's why my skin stays pretty balanced because I really do keep it clean. So right now I live for Summer Fridays cleanser. It's it's fairly new and I, I just love it. it it's Is it so a creamy summer. cleanser? A gel no, cleanser? it's a gel cleanser okay, and it's nice. fantastic. And then there's a DHC, I think it is. It's from Japan. It's yeah. an oil cleanser. Um, I use that when I'm actually wearing makeup and it takes my makeup off better than any oil cleanser that I've used. Um, yeah, people love, that's like people swear by that product. It's so crazy. And the price is so affordable. It's wild. So I love like all of that. And then I like the Kate Somerville exfoliate um, for like a deeper clean. Oh, so, that's like, it's kind of like bright, like not bright green, like light green. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that it's cleanser. Great. I forgot about that cleanser. That is a good one. It's so good. So I like to, you know, do start with like getting my face nice and clean. And then I love to, I joke around, I call it slathering because it's just like product (laughs) after product. Um, And then I like to do um, just like cooling mask or I'm not, I was having a moment when I was really into the sheet masks, but I sort of fell off of that and have been focusing on like jet lag mask or anything that's just super, super hydrating. That you rinse off. Yeah. Yeah. I prefer those masks too. And some of them are great because you don't even need to rinse them off. They'll like, you can just go to sleep Thank and then your skin. Yeah. yeah the best. Yeah. So those are my kind of fun things. And then I definitely go crazy with the conditioning and the, the moisturizing of my hair. So my favorite current faves are Briogeo, just because they really have all these great like scalp things that helped um, my scalp a lot moving from New York, where it's just like wet and soggy and humid all the time, and coming to the desert, my skin just really went through some changes. So, um, yeah, and then yeah, scalp health is so important. People really overlook scalp health. It's the foundation for the health of your hair, for sure. Um, and I love that that line focuses on it. Also, black owned um, hair care line, which mm-hmm. we love. We love. Um, yeah, the price point's a little pricey for me. Sometimes I'm like, wow, they want a lot of money for one product, but it is, they, they do make great products. Yeah, and I honestly, I've tried other things. The only other, the only other remotely good thing, and it's also kind of equally pricey, is Orbe. Um, their hair oh, stuff yeah. is phenomenal. It the smells gr- so good. So good. The green line is the green more for line. like textured bomb. Hair. Yeah. Bomb. I got it gifted to me and I'm like, literally I'm like down to my last drop. <laughs> that I'm, happened to me. I was like I scraping can't. the container. I was like, I need more of this. Yeah. Um, okay. So those are your, and any other hair masks or treatments that you love? Shea moisture, you yeah. know, drugstore, classic. classic, reliable, like never does me wrong. And for those moments where like at my hair is like, kind of a lot. So when you need a pound of conditioner, you don't want to waste your whole pricey jar. It's phenomenal. It is. And I love their like coconut and hibiscus line. That's kind of like a peachy color. Mm-hmm. That's just like so good. Yeah. And I like the, uh, what is it? It's the brown line. Um, oh, the Jamaican castor oil. Yes. The Jamaican yeah. castor oil. Yeah. That is good as well. It's really good. So yeah, my self-care is usually slathering head to toe and then on my body, I'm using any number of things. You know, I feel like I'm tall, I'm big. Lotioning my whole body is just like not a thing I do every single day. Like, you know, (laughs) you put lotion on like your elbows and your knees and all of that um, and your feet, but doing like the full shebang, I feel like 
you know, it's, it's definitely a self-care moment where I'm like taking my time and enjoying the process. Yeah. Have there been any bad beauty mistakes that you've made in your life and you've learned from? I love asking people like the beauty mistakes they've made because you kind of like have to make mistakes to learn. What of course. Oh my gosh. The beauty mistakes were probably outrageous. Let me try to think of even just a few. I'm sure there are numerous. <laughs> uh, over drying your skin. You know, yep, I think that's real. As a teenager, you're using like these harsh astringents and like, or alcohol based things that just no good. So over drying my skin, definitely beauty blender. I used to be really bad at taking my makeup all the way off. So I would just use like those one wipes. of those. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Guilty of that. I used to do Terrible. That and it's like, honestly, the oil takes it off so much better, so much more quickly, so much more, you know, um, environmentally friendly, all the things. Yes. And so, yeah, I'm, I was super guilty of that just taking one wipe and getting enough off so it doesn't ruin your pillow, but like not really caring. That's, that's probably the main one. Okay. What are you doing with your nails in quarantine? Because I have noticed my nails are growing and thriving. And some of this may be the, all the prenatal vitamins I'm taking, but I feel like gel, I love my gel manicures, but I'm like, am I damaged? Because my nails have never grown this long when yeah. I've been doing gel. And some people do gel back to back and they swear it's like the secret to having like long, healthy nails. But I'm kind of now I'm like having this awakening where I'm like, I don't know about gel manicures anymore. So I will say that gel manicures back to back, once I take it off, my nails are thin, brittle, and bending to the point where you can't even scratch your head. Like it's really bad. So my nails too are thriving in quarantine. I'm looking at them like the tips of my nails are really white. My nail beds are really pink. Like yes, it's thriving. they're thriving. So I've been doing nothing but like just keeping them like neat and clean and at a length that I like. I haven't even been polishing them to be honest. And then um I just gave a little, got a little like pedicure, like at home one and not, didn't do polish either. Just kind of did all of the, the clipping and cutting and things, but I'm just like, you know what? I think letting our nails breathe for a few months is not a bad idea. It's not bad at all. I've been like unmanicured since I can't even like, I don't know, age 18, you know, like, right. Like we've just been living with our nails done since I don't even know forever. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be weird to like even get in the mindset of being like, Oh, I have to get a manicure. Like, you know, Cause it's just, yeah. like, we just accepted it as part of like this maintenance that we had to have, but like, did we need to have it? I don't know. And it's so funny because I also low key think it's a little bit of a New York thing, like unmanicured hands in Manhattan is un- it's like unheard. It's like, True. it's like, unreasonable. I feel like LA is more natural and chill. LA is kind of chill. It really, I don't think anyone's ever looked at me. I remember being in an event in New York one time and I was leaving my office and I didn't have time to go get a manicure and my nail had like chips. So I just took it off, you know, Yeah. I stopped, took it off and I could see everyone looking at my hands and judging me. <laughs> I was like, what is Your that? unmanicured hands. They were literally like, is she okay? Oh, um, God. Yeah. Well, I know you had a ton of experience going to all of these fancy parties in New York, especially around Fashion Week. So I, I have to talk to you about Fat at Fashion Week hashtag and like what inspired that movement. Oh man, Fat at Fashion Week was one of the most organic things that has ever happened in my life. I was at an event and it was an event for Eleven Honoré who does like luxury plus sizes and a lot of designers that don't actually do plus sizes, we'll do them for them, you know? So I was at an event and it was, you know, editors from Teen Vogue and Women's Wear Daily and marketing directors and supermodels. And I, it was just around the conversation when people were talking about how no street style photographers were seeing any black women, any fat women. And that's why we weren't being photographed, blah, blah, blah. And (laughs) why is it that they always claim, whether it's diversity in hiring, they always just say they couldn't find. It's like, what what do you mean you couldn't find? You just weren't looking. We're not looking, not to mention that the photographers will literally knock us down to walk past us (laughs) to shoot a girl who's tall and thin wearing a t-shirt and jeans, you know? Right. (laughs) Um, So I was looking around the room and I thought, man, you know, we are stylists and marketing directors and makeup artists and but like at the at the top of our game you know this room is filled with people 
who are incredibly impactful to the fashion industry beyond our size, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, they say that we're not here. And I just was having this moment, like, what the heck? And so a friend of mine snapped my outfit uh, as we were leaving the party because it was at a cute venue. And I was posting and I go, fat at Fashion Week. And I just said it. Oh, what, like you just used the hashtag off the I top just, of your head. Yeah, I just used it. It circulated because then I was online for the Chromat show and an editor from Glamour saw me post that and was like, this is genius. I love it. I want to cover this. And I thought, okay. I told them like it was sort of happened because of this moment. And then it grew from there. So once it went to Glamour, it, it went viral and it circulated kind of all around the world. And then I kind of further developed the message, which was just that, you know, we are here And I wanted it to be a visual representation for young people coming up high school, college, who are fat and you're a designer or you are want to be a tailor, you want to work in marketing, you want to work in event production. There's so many facets to the fashion industry. You don't have to be a a model on the runway. There's so many places for you in this, in this industry. And so that's sort of what it turned into just wanting to be seen in that way. Yeah. I'm so amazed by your ability to take an idea because I think lots of people have ideas, right? And they're like, it shouldn't be this way or I want to see change. But then to actually make it successful and make it catch on, like, do you think it's your background in PR or like, what's that muscle to make something have real impact? I think it's definitely the PR marketing muscle. It's what made me good at that job is to be able to see. And so I've always been like an idea person and having an idea for this or that. And then because, I don't know, I, I, a lot of people, like you said, have ideas and then they, don't, they just sort of like let them kick around in their head, but that's not what satisfies me. You know, having the idea is just sort of like the beginning in my mind and actualizing it is what gets me like really revved up. Like that's what is that's my twist, you know, like being able to think of something and immediately put something into action so that I can see the idea come to life. And so, yeah, I guess that's what, what that is. And the muscle is tuned because yeah, I've spent a long time in in marketing and PR and like having to think of ideas and actualize them and be able to explain them and make sure that people get it and all of that. I also think with actualizing it, it's also this... um, I think some people are held back by a fear of failure. So people reach out to me all the time. They're like, oh, I want to start a podcast. And I'm like, okay, so start it. Like, no one's probably going to listen for the first however many episodes, but you just keep doing it and keep doing it. I'm you know, three years in um, and thankfully people listen, grateful to my listeners. But when you decide to actualize your idea, you kind of can't be too attached to the outcome or paralyzed by this idea that it may not be a success. A hundred percent. People say the same thing. Like, I want to start a YouTube channel. What do I do? And I'm like, go to youtube.com and click sign in and just upload a video. It's what we all do. But I think that's the difference between kind of like action people and people who are going to live in fear. My dad gave me the best advice of my life. I said this a few times, you know, he would say, you have a no before you try. So you cannot try or you cannot do something. And the answer is no, because you didn't do it. Or you can try or you can ask, you know, and Mm. you increase your chance of success by 50%. Yep. That's so true. So, you know, I, I just live my life that way. And I guess I don't really much think of failure because you're going to fail, right? You're going to fail. And it's something comes with being alive. Yeah. (laughs) It's something Damon used to say all the time. What what he would say to fail small, you know, in business, like try to fail small instead of like, don't fail and jump out the window and and lose a gajillion dollars, you know, fail small and, and try to learn as you go because failure is, you know, part of it. But I think not focusing on the failure, just assuming that in some small ways you will get it wrong and instead focus on the parts of the journey that you you want to focus on, which is the process, you know, the enjoying it, the creating and all of that fun stuff. So, Well, you've been talking about size inclusivity for fashion for a long time. Do you feel like things are changing? I looked at the fall 2020 diversity report from the fashion spot. And there were 46 plus size models that were included in this past false fashion week, which isn't that much because the year before there were 86. So that's about half. Do you think that 
it's something that's changing for the better? Are you hopeful about the future? Like, what do you think it will take for designers to truly embrace size inclusivity for the long term? I don't know because they've honestly had every opportunity. Brands have have tested the water and gotten it very, very wrong. Um, some brands have gotten it right. A lot of times they will launch plus sizes and not tell anyone. So if you're not going to put any marketing dollars behind it and no one knew, you can't say, oh, well, plus size women didn't want this. It's like, well, you told no one. So, <laughs> and if, if a woman is not used to going into your store and seeing her size, how would she know, you know? Right. And so... I don't know where we where we are. I felt like I felt more hopeful in September. You know, last September Fashion Week, it felt like a buzz. It felt like a lot of 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 movement, a lot of talking, a lot of action. And then this past February, it felt like a huge like retreat, as if it were a trend that was something to be moved on from versus a change in ideology, a change in, in behavior, a change in how we view women and men and um, people, you know? And I think I don't really know where it goes because I don't know how they sustain themselves because fashion is suffering across the board. Right. It's like they, they could use every customer yeah. they can get at this point. Yeah. And I think a lot of them will try to say things like, well, you know, they're getting caught up in the idea of, spending money on development or spending money on fit because plus size fit is very specific. You know, you have um, not everyone gains weight in the same place. And so it's not just about grading um, up. You have to remeasure and recount Mm -hmm. from size 18. It seems it's definitely worth the investment though. A hundred percent. It would behoove them to sell clothes to all of the people who want to give them money. Like, it's it's silly at this point. It really is. Yeah. But what about the brands that are getting it right? Like, what are the brands that have amazing clothes that you love that you know you can go to and find something that's going to be perfect? There's a few, you know, and I think through through the the recent events and this recent uprising and civil rights moment, we you know have been let down by some, you know, um, in terms of like their action or inaction. Oh, really? Like being silent? Yeah, just not saying enough, saying the wrong thing. Okay, so we're not going to we're not going to name them. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But what about the ones? What about the ones that showed up and also have great stuff? Yeah, so that's what I meant. Like we already had very few options, so it's like <laughs> now we have fewer. I'm like now we have less. Um, I will say that, you know, on the accessible sort of like um, budget-friendly option, you know, ASOS has always been a go-to for me. And, Love ASOS. Um, you make it look so good also. I'll be I'll you. be like, what is this like high fashion moment? And then they like tag <laughs> ASOS and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and then um, at Target also does a really good job. Like, you know, and I think Target is a great example of how historically they hadn't been that inclusive and a lot was missing. And people like Chastity uh, from Gardner Style and other people like made, you know, a big stink on the internet and were like, actually, let's get this right. And it seems like they really did invest in making sure that more people were included in their sizes. Cause I, I like being able to go into the store and just be able to snag a t-shirt or a cheap dress really quick, just because you need something. And then on the higher end, there are brands like the one I mentioned, the Lever and Honore, who have everything from Valentino pieces to Christian Siriano and all these amazing designers and, I think they're newly launching um, some some ready to wear themselves. Those are the people who I think, you know, support the industry, support the people are making making a lot of the right moves. Um, But and then there's, you know, a lot of independent designers like Jabri and, you know, other like up and coming sort of black and black designers who create really fantastic pieces that deserve a lot more recognition and and customers and things like that. Yeah. Okay, great. This is, I feel like these will be really helpful resources for people listening. And then you have this amazing vlog and I get dressed. How did you come up with that name? It's funny because I was kicking around thoughts and ideas and I was talking I think to myself, (laughs) I don't think I was speaking out loud. I was like, it's like, okay, you know, you like fashion, you like you like travel, you like beauty, you're going to do lifestyle. Um, so it's kind of like you do this, you do that and you get dressed. And I'm like, 
And I get dressed. That's it. Perfect. And that's really what it is. It's just about like a full lifestyle of, of style and um, whatever kind of floats my boat at any given moment. And it's always sort of punctuated by fashion. Yeah. But you're, I feel like you're, you're, I know you said you're like not a beauty guru, but like you are a beauty girl. Like, first of all, you have this, it's like a bob, but it's like a wavy bob. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it a wig? I'm yeah. trying to get into, so I'm trying to get into wig life. I'm clueless. Like I don't even know where to begin, but you, you always have great hair, like a strong, bold lip. Like I love your nose ring. Like you're like, you have beauty moments all the time. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I have beauty moments because, um, like, I don't know. I think it's like an eye for what I think is aesthetically pleasing, but I guess I don't consider myself like beauty guru in that when I think of my friends who are like the gurus, they can tell you the science and all of the products, like probably how you can, like you can tell me for <laughs> formulations and right. ingredients. Mm-hmm. And that is not, that's not me. And then You're not gonna nerd out like that. No. And it's not even the nerd out part. It's like, I wish I could nerd out like that. It's like, I'll never ever remember the ingredients <laughs> for that. It's like not how my mind works. I'm yeah. a, I'm a writer. The science is not going to stick. And then, um, for makeup, I just think of, you know, these people who can do these fantastic, like, to straight lines and eyeliner oh that God. I could never imagine getting right, you know? So I don't think I'm like a beauty neophyte or anything, but I definitely, when I think of them, I guess I'm just thinking of like professional makeup artists, but the Bob wig, I please get into wig life. Yes, I, like teach me, help me. Like how, where, where do obsessed. I even begin? I think you begin with deciding like what kind of a fun like shape you want. Okay. And I don't even do, I mean, there's like true wignistas, which I am not either. You know, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll just cut this, this lace off and then here we go. I'm not like gluing it down and all fancy. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I see the glue and the spray and the, yeah. Like, what is all of this? I don't do any of that. And that's okay. why I tend to like the styles where you really don't need to, like a nice bang saves you, <laughs> saves yes. you all of that. Or um, the wavy bob. It just, I literally went into a hair store with my sister in Philly and I wanted a um, wig because my hair is so naturally curly, but it is so unpredictable. One day, with little elf effort, I will look amazing. The next day, when I need to look good, it's it mess. will not do any of the things that it did the day before. And Isn't it's like so crazy how that happens. It's so crazy. And so I think I had a photo shoot and I was just like, you know what? I really can't have my hair just diss me tomorrow. Like I need, <laughs> I need to know for sure what's going to happen. And I went into a hair store and got the Bob wig and I love it. And I also think if you want to get a wig, getting textured hair is the best because you don't have to curling iron it. Getting right. some something that's obviously human hair where you can use products that really work on my bob wig. I love using whey products because it's meant for like wavy curly hair and it does such a good job on that bob. Interesting. Keeping it like And you nice just like wash it between wearing? You wash it? I would say like I wash it like maybe every two weeks because I don't put a ton of product in it. And it's it's not like producing oil because it's not, you know, your, your actual right. scalp. And just to keep it nice and, you know, loose and not getting like tangled up and stuff. But yeah, I okay, highly I'm recommend. Try. You should. You should. I'm excited to see what you do. <laughs> I feel like the, but also what's the price point like? Because I feel like aren't wigs really expensive? It just depends. Okay. Um I think you can get a good one for a couple hundred bucks. You know, people pay thousands of dollars for wigs. And very honestly, they don't always look like they cost that much. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, So start small. Just get yourself a cute, like you're in the city, like go to like 125th Street or something and literally just go into one of those stores and grab grab one that you think you'll like. And that way it's not a huge investment if you decide it's not for you. Yes. Okay. I'm so going to do this. So, okay. We talked about your favorite be- like skincare products. Do you have any favorite makeup products that you're just obsessed with? I'm like a hardcore NARS girl. Like I really- oh, I love NARS. I, I love, love NARS. I wish it was cleaner. I know. I know. That's fine. We can't have everything. It just doesn't move. It doesn't make me look crazy. Like it just doesn't move. Like every product is so reliable. 
It's so, so true. And I don't know if it's the shape of my lips or the fact that I did not wear my retainer and my overbite is back. But when <laughs> I wear, when I wear a bright lip, it often can get on my teeth when I smile and NARS does not do it. It Love doesn't. That. Yeah. And then, um, Mented is fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's another black owned beauty brand. Yeah. They, they're great. And I like that they have nudes for multiple skin tones. And because like, we're probably like the same complexion. We're like in that middle range. We're not light. Right. We're not dark. And I'm olive. So like so many of their nudes look cool on me, even though it's not like the nude for my complexion, it might be darker or lighter, but it still works. So I really, I really like those lipsticks. Yeah. I haven't tried a ton of their products, but what I've tried has been really, really good. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I feel like I could talk to you about beauty all day and all of the amazing work you do. Are you still going to do a podcast, this podcast body party? Because I, I feel like you need one. I really, 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 really want to. We just got a little bit overwhelmed with one, I was moving and so, and then quarantine happened. So COVID sort of <laughs> threw a wrench in that. Um, but I do feel inspired and I feel like it's something that I still want to do, um, with my, my partner who I was going to launch it with. So yeah, I think it's coming. It's okay. coming. Okay. We'll stay tuned for that. Yeah. And Kelly, final question for you. When do you feel most beautiful? This is going to sound probably weird. I think I feel most beautiful, like fresh out of the shower. Yes. Love that. I just feel clean. My skin is like looking all pretty and glowy. And I always take a beat because it was one of those, um, those sort of self-esteem moments. I think I developed when I was younger, just like being able to look at yourself without any stuff on, you know, no makeup, no, no bells, no whistles and just appreciate yourself. And it stuck, you know, and I, I love like just giving myself a once over fresh out of the shower and just go, you go girl, you know, like you a good girl or some, just like some cute little moment in my head. Yes. That's such a powerful moment. Well, this was great. Thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. Um, I will so link fun. to all of your fabulous stuff, your YouTube page, your Instagram account, so people can follow you and get to know you if they don't know you already. I'm sure a lot of listeners are already familiar with your work, but thank you again so much for taking time to be on Naked Beauty. Thank you for having me. It was really, really great. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing from Kelly as much as I did. And I had so many takeaways from the conversation. The first takeaway I had is that it's so important to realize that anything that you can't find organically, you can create. So when she couldn't find cute t-shirts in plus sizes, she created a cute t-shirt line. When she felt like there wasn't good representation at Fashion Week, she started the Fat at Fashion Week movement. So if you don't see it, know that you can create it. If you have an idea though, the next step is actualizing that idea and not being afraid of failure. I loved her dad's advice that she shared. You have a no before you try. Just trying increases your odds by 50%. I think that's so important to remember. The second takeaway that I've had from this conversation is that fat isn't a dirty word. It's a descriptor, like tall or blonde or short. I think it is really important that Kelly 
did mention that not everyone is okay with being described as fat. So it's not something that you should just use because other people are okay with it. But I do think that there is so much conditioning that's gone around this term fat, which is why I love the shirts that she's made that say fat icon and why I chose this as the title of the episode, because it's like the confluence of the term fat, which has been reappropriated as this like kind of negative term for no reason with something like icon that's so celebratory that really makes a strong statement. The third takeaway, and if there's anyone from a brand listening to this, if you're in charge, definitely make this change. And if you're not in charge, talk to the people that are in charge because brands need to be thinking about including plus sizes in their line. You know, it's it's an investment that they just need to make. All of the numbers would suggest so. To not include plus sizes just doesn't make sense from any perspective. And there's an audience out there that you know, loves fashion, loves getting dressed, and they're just not being served currently. So I love that she shared some great plus size brands that you can shop, but just fashion brands like do better, please. And then my fourth and final takeaway from her wigs, like wigs keep coming up on this show. And I think I'm going to finally try. Her advice was to start small, to get like a human hair wig with a little bit of texture in it, wash it two times a week. So I'll keep you guys updated on my wig journey. Um, For now, I'm just keeping my hair very low key in quarantine. But if you guys have wig tips as well, DM me. I'm on Naked Beauty Planet. You know where to find me. Would love all of the advice that I can summon. And thank you guys so much for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode. Again, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please subscribe. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.